the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Oh, yes, it is. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you starting your day with AM 1420, The Answer. If you started it with Hugh Hewitt, terrific. If you are just starting it now, that's uh, that's great as well. We really appreciate it. we got a lot to offer. we got a lot to bring you this morning. Coming up in an hour, we're going to be talking with our friend Kate Nacra. Executive uh, Director, or I'm sorry, Vice President, beg your pardon, Vice President of uh, Cleveland Right to Life. And we're going to talk to uh, Kate uh, about the continued destruction, attack, and vandalism of pregnancy centers by pro-abortion groups. The latest one happened in Bowling Green. Um, So we're going to talk to her about what that means. And while we have her on the line, we're going to talk about the ongoing plan uh, and the mission to try to stop the passage of the uh, ballot initiative in November that would indeed codify and embed into the Ohio Constitution abortion rights literally all the way up through the ninth month with no ex- uh, with no uh, uh, apologies or reasons or anything else needed. It's a horrific, barbaric prospect, but it's there. It's real. It's in front of us. And I know Kate and Cleveland Right to Life are among those who are leading that fight. So Kate Mackerel will join us at 1110. Will you go to hell for me? 
That's the name of the book, or uh, excuse me, a documentary. That's the name of the documentary that Vince Everett Ellison has put out. Um, it is a very, very powerful little piece. Uh, Vince Everett Ellison, we have not had on the line for a while. He is an African-American and outspoken critic of the radical left Democrat Party. And Will You Go to Hell for Me pretty much looks at all of that. Um, he literally declares that uh, the Democrat Party is an evil entity. It is an evil entity that is uh, hell-bent on the destruction of this country. Uh, and maybe beyond that. He's a very powerful speaker. He's a very powerful man of faith. And we've had him on a few times. And we're going to have him back on now because uh, this is big. A uh, documentary called Will You Go to Hell for Me? And he's going to shine a spotlight on everything that we're facing right now. What are the challenges and how do we overcome them? So uh, if you uh, noticed, I did not say Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan will not be on with us today because Jim Jordan is in New York. He's in Manhattan and they're holding this morning, <clears throat> starting this morning, the field hearings, as they're called, for the Judiciary Committee. They're taking the committee to the field instead of bringing people from the field into the Judiciary Committee in D.C. Because he wants to talk to people, real-life New Yorkers whose lives have been uh, affected so terribly and drastically and dramatically by um, violence. And, uh, and why it is that people like overstuffed Alvin Bragg refuse to hold those people accountable, lock them away, the violent people away from the innocent people of Manhattan, the innocent people of New York, um, instead, uh, in fact, doing everything they can to keep them out of jail, which is what is a commonality among all their left-wing Soros-funded and supported district attorneys around this country. But Jim Jordan is taking it there because he wants to shine a spotlight on what Alvin Bragg is not doing while he's spending his time pursuing Donald Trump. So that conversation uh, will not happen today, the conversation with Jim Jordan. He's coming on Friday. He's going to be very, very swamped, I think, all week long with this stuff. So we'll talk to him on Friday. So today, Kate Macra and Vince Everett Ellison will be joining us. Now, before we get started with our news of the day, I'm going to ask you to rise as the patriot that you are and face your flag. Put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance to start the day. If you are a believer in taking people's constitutional rights away from them because of your own fear, well, then this flag may not be the thing for you after all. You don't have to pledge your allegiance to it. You are uh, exempted. In fact, you may take a knee next to your favorite unemployed quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. I'm going to start right there with our constitutional rights this morning because, um, once again, a couple of awful tragedies. Um, again, i got to stop using that word. I hate when people use the word tragedy. People say that about 9-11. They call it a tragedy. It's not a tragedy. It's a travesty. Tragedy is when an accidental thing happens. Travesty is a hurricane, a tornado, a flood, something like that. That's a tragedy. Accidental um, you know, calamities. Those are tragedies, but um, these are travesties when they're intentional. So the travesties, dueling travesties, if you will, one in Louisville for the second time in less than a week, there was a mass shooting in Louisville, Kentucky, and then, of course, there was a mass shooting down in Alabama. And that one is uh, particularly gruesome, especially considering the circumstances. It was at a 16-year-old's birthday party. Four people were killed, 28 others injured in that uh, in that Alabama sh- uh, shooting. No idea 
who did it or why they did it. We are completely in the dark about that part of this, which is very rare, very rare. It's the number. It's number four. It's number four on the list of uh, uh, ways that these mass shootings end. I always tell you that there are only four things that happen. These things end when guns arrive. When guns in the hands of good guys arrive, mass shootings end, and they end one of four ways. Number one, the guys with the gu- the good guys with the guns kill the bad guy. Number two, they realize it's imminent and they kill themselves. Number three, they throw down their gun, throw their hands in the air, and surrender. Or number four, they flee as soon as they know people are coming. Well, in this case, there was there was a there was a fleeing. Uh, so no idea exactly when they're going to make an arrest or what the circumstances are going to turn up here, but we do know that it's a horrible, horrible, uh, another mass shooting. And again, there was, there were two of them over the weekend. The other one was, uh, was a smaller scale. Thank goodness for small mercies, I guess, but it was a smaller scale. It was another one in uh, Louisville. Uh, and, uh, Naturally, the response to both of these was, once again, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? We have to do something about guns, 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 because guns are the issue. Guns are the problem, not the individuals, not the people, not the circumstances. It's the guns. So we must disarm a peaceful population of law-abiding people who have never used their guns to commit a crime in their lives in order to make sure that we disarm the bad people who do bad things in their lives. That's the, that's the message here that we continue to hear from everybody, uh, you know, from Joe Biden, all the way to former Democrat President Bill Clinton and many others. I've got audio from some of these people. Disarm a peaceful, law-abiding population in order to stop a criminal population from having the guns. That's the message. And again, I don't need to repeat it. We all know the foolhardy nature of such a of such a policy, because criminals, literally by their nature as criminals, don't follow laws. They're going to get the guns anyway. It's something that a very very uh, powerful statement was made last week. Somebody brought it up on the program, and I didn't uh, I didn't I didn't give it enough you know its due attention. But a sheriff, I believe, down in Florida. Um, made a statement saying that the bad guys are always going to get guns. This is not about uh, the weapons. This is about the people. This is about trying to protect people. This is not about demonizing the weapon that is used. And you cannot uh, keep the guns out of the hands of bad guys anyway. It's like trying to keep the drugs out of the hands of, of criminals. You can't, even though drugs are illegal. You continue to fight the fight, but know that they're going to get their hands on guns. So we're going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit about this. And I, and I want to point something else out. While everyone is focused, when I say everyone, while, while people are focused on the two shootings that happened, one in Alabama with a very, very horrific, you know, number of people shot, 28 wounded. As I said in that uh, in that situation, four fatalities and 28, 28 wounded, and then the smaller scale one in Louisville, Kentucky, crowd uh, shots were fired into a crowded park in that city, killed two and wounded four. So that's when I say smaller scale. Not that it's any less tragic, but um, you have those two things happen. You have the Louisville shooting in the um, bank that happened a few days before last week, right? You have go back to the Nashville shooting from about two weeks ago. And these things are reasons for calls to disarm the American public. Anytime there's a mass shooting like this, this is what leads to, you know, the new calls. But while all of this is going on, this 
completely flies under the radar. That virtually every single weekend in Chicago, Illinois, there are far more mass shootings than are in the other instances that I just described. And the difference being that it's not just one shooter, it's multiple shooters. Mass amounts of people get shot. Mass amounts of people, if not massive amounts of people get shot in Chicago. It's just that instead of one shooter, it's multiple shooters. It's a lot of shooters because that's what Chicago is. Chicago is a, is a shooting gallery. And nobody takes the microphone on the Sunday morning talk shows or goes on TV or comes on the radio on Monday morning and screams, we got to do something about Chicago. we got to do something about guns. Because guess what? Guns are already illegal in Chicago. Chicago has some of the strictest gun laws in America. But yet it doesn't stop bad guys from getting guns and shooting people. In April, to date, this is April 17th, so we're just past the midpoint of the month. In April, 33 people have been shot and killed in Chicago. 115 shot and wounded. That's 148 total shootings in Chicago this month. 148. Now, people are flipping out about what happened in Nashville, and they should. Six people got murdered, including three children. People are flipping out about the bank murder. You should. That's fine. But why do people flip out only about those particular situations where there's one shooter and not about a place where guns are forbidden, a place where the the uh, uh, gun violence should not exist if the left has their way and just enforces gun control? Because gun control is practiced in Chicago, and yet gun con- or, uh, Chicago is a shooting gallery. Last week alone, no one talks about this from April 9th to April 15th in Chicago. 19 people shot and killed, 61 shot and wounded. Total of 80 last week from April 9th to April 15th. Today is the 17th. What? what but I thought gun control worked. And why is it that no one talks about those victims? We're going to go all thoughts and prayers for the victims in Louisville, and we should. We're going to go all thoughts and prayers for the victims in Alabama, and we should, like we did in Nashville and on down the line. We care. But we also recognize the solution here isn't to blame the inanimate object that is being used. And why is it that we are blaming that inanimate object? Why is it that we are blaming it only in some of the circumstances? Let's take that to another level. With with 19 people shot and killed in Chicago in the past week, no one talked about it. Not one word from Joe Biden, from Kamala Harris, from Karine Jean-Pierre, the black and gay press secretary. In case you didn't know, she's she's black and, and she's gay. She wants you to know that. Um, no one talked about it from the administration. Nobody talked about it from the Democrat halls of Congress. Nobody talked about it from uh, the uh, Democrat mainstream media. Nobody talked about Chicago's killings at all. They only talked about the mass killings, and then they used the only thing they talked about there was to condemn thoughts and prayers and to say we got to ban assault weapons. You want to know why they don't talk about Chicago? 
because they don't care about the victims in Chicago, because the overwhelming number of victims in Chicago are black. They're minorities. And the left, for all of their, their pearl-clutching and their virtue signaling, doesn't give a rat's A about black people. Not Black Lives Matter, not Antifa, not uh, the Biden administration, not the DNC. None of them care about black people. The overwhelming majority of these victims in Chicago are black, and the overwhelming number of shooters are black. And it's just black-on-black violence. It's black gun crime on on black victim. And nobody cares. Why? Because in almost every single instance, they're using handguns. The way they do in the overwhelming number of shootings nationwide in this country. The assault weapons or assault rifles that they call them, that they want to uh, ban, they want to outlaw, they're used in a tiny, tiny fraction of the number of, uh, of overall shootings there are in, in this country. Handguns are by far a more lethal threat than the quote-unquote assault rifles. By far. But nobody wants to talk about that. They want to demonize one particular style of weapon, and they want to make sure that the uh, victims are worthy of coverage. No one wants to talk about the victims, because when you talk about the victims in black-on-black shooting, you have to then talk about the perpetrators. Who shot 33 people and killed them in April in Chicago this year? Overwhelmingly, African-Americans. And they don't care about black victims because they don't want to spotlight black perps. Because that would be a terribly racist thing to do. This would be bringing awareness that maybe the issue here isn't the weapons, it's the culture. Maybe the issue here is what kind of people are being raised in what kinds of ways that are resulting in these same exact... These numbers, by the way, go back years. The numbers I'm giving you, this isn't an anomaly. This isn't a one-off, an outlier. This is routine in one of the, most, uh, uh, one of the strongest gun control cities in America. But you're not hearing about these. You're only hearing about the one that just happened in Alabama, the one that happened in Nashville, the one that happened in Louisville, the other one that happened in Louisville. We've got to start being honest about what's going on. We've got to start being real. We've got to start pointing the finger of blame where it belongs. And it is not at the inanimate weapons, which in the hands of law-abiding citizens are great tools for self-defense, not tools for offensive actions, meaning going on the offense and killing people. We got so much more to talk about this morning on this. It's 926, always right radio on AM 1420, the answer. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always right radio with Bob France on the answer. 935, always right radio. I am 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us. I probably ought to give the phone number. I don't know if I've done that today. 440. Uh, I'm sorry. I almost gave you my cell phone number. <laughs> 216-901-0945. Felt like it was on a customer service call for there, there for a second. Can you confirm your phone number, please? Uh, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Always right radio. We want to get you up and on the radio. Like I said, Jim Jordan is not with us today because he's in uh, New York, in Manhattan, conducting what they are calling field hearings for the Judiciary Committee. We'll catch up with him a little bit later this week. But what do you think about this? Why do you think it is that we know about Nashville? 
We know about Louisville. We know about Louisville Part Two. We know about Alabama. We know, we knew about uh, uh, the uh, um, San Antonio. We, you know, all all of the school shootings. We know about Buffalo. All of the grocery store shootings, Charleston. We know about all the uh, the uh, uh, church shootings. We know about all of these mass shootings that take the lives of a fraction, usually a fraction, of the mass shootings we have in Chicago every weekend. Why is that? And like I said, I think the answer is twofold. Number one, um, the overwhelming number of shootings that are that are done in Chicago every weekend are done with handguns, not assault weapons, as they like to be called, or they like to call them. Uh, so you can't pinpoint, you know, uh, here's our solution. We have to ban rifles, ban uh, semi-automatic rifles, uh, ban, the, you know, having more than, uh, again, quoting Joe Biden, not me, more than eight bullets per round. All of this crap that, you know, that they scream that this is the answer, this is the answer, is out the window when you look at Chicago because they're not using high-capacity magazines. They're not using uh, high-powered, quote-unquote, assault rifles. They're using handguns. And the number two, if you shine a spotlight on what happens in, uh, in Chicago when it comes to the victims, you then have to sh- shine a spotlight on the race of the perpetrators as well and that is something that is simply in a marginalized society where we have to be careful and not to demonize people for what they look like if they happen to be minorities we can't have people finding out that the overwhelming number of shooters are black that's why nobody pays attention to this if you think i'm making any of this up by the way or if you just want to learn more about it Here's a website. I've given it to you many times through the years, but here's a website you should bookmark. It's heyjackass.com. I didn't pick it. It's not mine. Heyjackass.com. And it shows all of the Chicago crime statistics in minute detail. It's very, very carefully researched. In Chicago, a person is shot every three hours and 42 minutes. A person is murdered, meaning one of those is fatal, every 16 hours and three minutes in Chicago, and no one cares. So let's talk about what they are saying in the wake of the terrible shootings. In um, uh, Well, actually, let's tie this. As we get into the terrible shootings in Chicago and in Alabama, let's tie this to the other part of the story of Chicago that had nothing to do with just all of these you know these weekend shootings because that's an average night or that's an average uh, uh, weekend I should say in Chicago this is that goes on every single weekend and you can look it up go to the website like I said but what happened this past weekend was a little bit different this past weekend um, there was a there was a planned assault on virtually all of downtown Chicago a massive mob of teenagers clashed with police near downtown Chicago's Millennium Park Saturday night, leaving two teens wounded, at least one bystander beaten. The mob erupts in violence, trashing property, smashing windshields, torching cars, attacking at least one motorist just for being there, forcing cops to escort tourists to safety. Two teens, 16 and 17, both wounded by a gunman in the crowd. That was the only uh, gunfire, at least in that one. The violence came a day after a 14-year-old boy was shot during another outburst of teen violence. So for back-to-back nights, they had massive, massive crowds of young people tearing apart the city. 
Police said most of the charges in the arrests that were made were for reckless conduct. But one 16-year-old was charged with the unlawful use of a weapon, and a firearm was recovered. An adult and a juvenile were also charged with possession of a stolen vehicle. Cars were left vandalized all over the Windy City, including one Tesla worth $120,000. What does all of that what does all of that mean? How is that being handled by the authorities in Chicago? Well, let's have a look. The new mayor of Chicago, mayor-elect Brandon Johnson, made a statement about this. Brandon Johnson, the new mayor who is who is was selected to replace Lori Lightfoot, who is nothing but a male Lori Lightfoot. He is in the pocket of the teachers' unions that got him elected. His opponent, Paul Vallis, in that runoff in uh, Chicago, by the way, was backed by all of the police unions. He, he was a law and order guy. Even though he was a Democrat, he was a moderate Democrat who knew that Chicago cannot go on like this. So, of course, he was defeated. And Brandon Johnson was given the, the far-left Marxist uh, style. Brandon Johnson was given the job. And so he responded... He responded to this crazy outbreak of violence on back-to-back nights, violence and mayhem and looting and burning and assault and so forth and vandalism. He responded by saying this, Our city must work together to create spaces for youth to gather in. I shouldn't laugh. Let me go back to the beginning of it. He did say, I don't condone any of the destruction. But listen then. In no way do I condone the destructive activity we saw in the Loop and the lakefront this weekend. It is unacceptable and has no place in our city. However, it is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their communities. Our city must work together to create spaces for youth to gather safely and responsibly under adult guidance and supervision to ensure that every part of our city remains welcome for both residents and visitors. This is one aspect of my comprehensive approach to improve public safety and make Chicago livable for everyone, end quote. So the new mayor says, yeah, I don't like the fact that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of teenagers the overwhelming majority of them are minorities. I don't like that they came out and destroyed everything, but don't blame them because they've been starved of opportunities. Don't demonize the youth that smash windshields, shields, set cars on fire, randomly assault passers-by. Don't, don't demonize them. They've been starved of opportunities, you see. If we, if we give them spaces to go out and play kickball with each other under adult guidance, they won't do these things. You see, we have to create, quote, spaces for youth to gather safely and responsibly under adult guidance and supervision, because that's what these people want. You look out there and they were smashing everything, because if there was adult supervision there, you know, like, um, I don't know, hundreds of cops? That supervision, they ignored the cops because they're criminal thugs. And the way to deal with crime in left-wing cities like Chicago, like New York, like Los Angeles, like St. Louis, like Cleveland, is to not support the cops 
and let the out-of-control element run wild. Don't punish, don't arrest, and then hold on bond, and then, and then actually try and convict and punish these people. No, no, no. That's not D.I.E. That's not diverse, nor is it inclusive, nor is it equitable. We can't do that. If these people do get arrested, they're being released a couple of hours later which means they have no incentive to obey the law. They have no drive. They have no reason to not do what their, their, their base instincts tell them to do, which is join the crowd and go smash stuff. So that's going on in Chicago. Chicago leadership says um, uh, the, the, leadership, the old leadership under Lori Lightfoot, the new leadership under Brandy Johnson, Essentially, they say it's not something that we're concerned about because they don't talk about it. Every weekend this happens and they do not talk about it. If they do talk about it, don't blame uh, the individuals involved because if we do that, then we have to acknowledge what is it that they have in common, and it's going to be their race or their ethnicity, and that would have to be dealt with. They don't want to do that, so they want this to be quiet. Let's blame uh, the violence that we see on guns. It's not the people. It's not their... It's not their culture, it's not the ripping, it's not their background, it's not their home structure, it is the guns. That's, that's the way that this goes. Bill Clinton, former President of the United States, sat down with uh, Joe Scarborough and was asked about the gun violence debate. And the answer, of course, was typical leftism from Bill Clinton, the same kind you're going to get from Joe Biden, the same time you're gonna, kind you're going to get from virtually everybody in the Democrat Party. But it is interesting to hear Whatever it. we do, we need to do it more together. And I think we need to start talking across this divide. The, uh, I remember when Jack Brooks, who was a congressman from Texas, right. had enjoyed the support of the NRA in every election he was ever in, and Tom Foley, the Speaker of the House from Washington, they both told me that when the Senate put in the assault weapons ban into the crime bill, which I wanted, that if I signed it, we would lose the House. And we did. And they lost their seats uh, because of the ability of the NRA to terrify people, but also because... The NRA, that just terrifies people. You know how many uh, mass shootings that NRA members have carried out in this country, particularly since uh, 1999? Was it 99, Columbine? I think it was 99, wasn't it? 98 or 99. Um, Since mass shootings kind of first started with Columbine and then terrible, tragic things like Chardon and and so many other places have happened, um. The grand total of the number of those mass shootings that we've seen through the years by NRA members is zero. Zero. Let me say that again. Zero. The number of mass shootings by trans individuals in the last year alone is four. But it's the NRA that needs to be demonized here. Okay, Just clarifying this. The NRA, which seeks to support the Second Amendment so that people have the right to defend themselves from either threats from criminals or from a government, if it grows out of control, that might require people to stand up for themselves. 
That's reality. It's how this country was built. They stood up to a government that had grown out of control, and they only were able to do it because they had weapons. That's the reality of it. That's what the NRA preaches. Well, let's hear more from, uh, from Bill Clinton. We were beginning to lose touch with each other across cultural divides that had always existed but hadn't been barriers you couldn't breach. It is not rational that we should have a dramatically higher death rate among school-aged children because of gun violence than any other country in the world. And, you know, a lot of people get mad about this thoughts and prayers, but if you believe that you have to, if you believe you are compelled to let kids die in order to keep your freedoms, that's sort of the way this debate is. Well, in typical Bill Clinton fashion, um, he is full of full of Arkansas excrement. Uh, this is not a binary choice that you either keep your freedoms um, or kids die. It, that, that's not the that's not the reality of the situation. We can keep our freedoms and protect our children if we are willing to do so. And there are ways to strengthen the defense of children in schools from radical criminals who will always get their hands on guns, no matter how much you try to enact stronger, quote-unquote, gun control. There are ways to strengthen the targets. Go back to the Nashville shooter, Audrey Hill, who said she chose the school she did over a different prime target because the other prime target had much more security. Security can indeed deter people from targeting schools or other areas. That's a reality. But it isn't just Bill Clinton that's on this ridiculous kick. Sometimes it's Republicans. Sometimes it's moderate rhino Republicans like Nancy Mace who cannot seem to reconcile um, the reality that offering solutions that are bad is, 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 quite frankly, worse than doing nothing at all. I'm not advocating for doing nothing at all, but just for randomly throwing things out there to say that we've done something for the purpose of getting votes is 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 foolish. Nancy Mace, Representative Nancy Mace, went on with Shannon Bream on Fox yesterday and said, "Well, we need to have this conversation. I will tell you, every mass shooting, we just there's just silence, and there's the prayers are offered, Easter baskets are offered, but no real solutions. And I'm a constitutional conservative, but I'll tell you, Shannon, about a week ago, my kids and I were a mile away from a mass shooting in South Carolina, where six people." Were shot. We saw the immediate aftermath of that shooting, all the police cars and EMS. And the first thing my kids asked me in moments after that shooting, they said, hey, mommy, where is the amber alert to let us know that we're near a mass shooting and maybe we should have taken cover or maybe not left the house so that we could be safe? And Rep- I'll take things that your kids did not say to you for a thousand, Alex. Republicans can no longer be silent on this issue, and it's not about... They're not silent on this issue. They are just saying, do not disarm law-abiding Americans for the law-breaking actions 
of a select few criminals. The Second Amendment. There are plenty of things that we can be doing besides offering prayers in silence. Some sort of amber alert, for example, to let the community know there's been a shooting. Strengthening our background checks is something that the vast majority of Americans support. Hardening our schools, churches, and synagogues so that there is deterrence, so that when a shooter, a potential mass shooter, enters a place, that they know that maybe they're not going to make it through because there's bulletproof doors, bulletproof windows. Uh, you know, it, those kinds of common sense things are all things that every American on either side of the aisle can get behind. But Then why are you saying that we're not saying anything or offering solutions? Those are solutions that Republicans have been offering for a very long time, including armed security on school campuses. Not uniformed, as we talked with John Lott about on Friday, but plain clothes, dressed like staffers, there have to be armed respondents available. So why is she saying that Republicans are offering no solutions? She just listed a bunch of solutions that Republicans have offered in addition to armed security. But yet, every time there's a mass shooting, and they're increasing every year, every week, we just we don't say anything, we want to bury our heads in the sand and hope that it goes away. But guess what? It's not going away. And- People like Nancy Mace are problems. They're not solutions. People like Nancy Mace are Republicans who have absolutely no business whatsoever being part of this conversation because she literally is burying her own head in the sand if she hasn't heard us all talking about the solutions. Signs on the on the campus, signs on the buildings, signs on the on the fences surrounding the campus, on entrances anywhere that say armed personnel are here to protect students and staff. Uh, proceed at your own risk. Things like that that are legitimate deterrents for individuals who might have evil intentions in our schools. And then, yes, safe rooms that are bulletproof. I saw a couple of these uh, designs on television a couple of days ago. How are are people, I'm just going to go out and say it. Why is it that left-wing lunatics can continue to shoot places up and then end up blaming it all on Republicans? And then why do people like Nancy Mace sit there and accept that blame and say, we're not saying anything, all we do is bury our heads in the sand? No, we don't. You're just too stupid, deaf, dumb, and blind to be listening. You're not helping the situation, Nancy Mace. You might as well just go ahead and and, and have a seat next to uh, Kamala uh, and Joe and Bill and the others and, uh, and, and preach your... Tell your tale of woe to them, uh, because uh, we're, we're tired of hearing it. We're tired of being told that we're responsible as Republicans. We are not. Responsible Republicans are the core of the NRA, and again, the NRA is not killing people. It's the radicals who are killing people. It's 9.54. We'll be back. Why, 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 why? Why do they lie so much when it comes to shootings and when it comes to violence in this country? And I will again repeat to you, there is no such thing as gun violence. They like to say gun violence, gun violence. There's no such thing as gun violence. There's violence, and it's committed by people. The weapon of choice is irrelevant. The guns do nothing. More people are saved by guns than are killed by guns every year, and it's not even close. Uh, let's go to the phones. Reverend Jeff Jemison is on the line in Cleveland, wants to get through on AM 1420, The Answer. Reverend, good morning. Go ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm great. Thank uh, you. Great listening to your show. I agree with uh, 100% of everything you said. Question. Um, seeing that Chicago is just a microcosm of what takes place in most urban areas and cities across the, the country, what can we do to elevate the level of 
outcry and and disgust when it comes to shootings of individuals as opposed to uh, just the the mass shootings that we see, like in a, uh, Alabama, that just took place and so forth. But just the individual death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody cares about those unless it's a mass shooting. They pretty much go un, you know, uh, attended to. I think you're exactly right. The answer, my friend, and I thank you for the call, is a comprehensive one, though. And it literally, it literally starts with what nobody wants to acknowledge now, and that is we need to hire far more police officers, and we need to put far more offenders like this in prisons. Nobody wants that anymore. Hell, Donald Trump came in and immediately emptied some prisons. Comprehensive uh, 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 criminal ju- criminal uh, reform, criminal uh, justice reform. All of this stuff for emptying prisons, ranking harder to put people away. You got left wing DAs, you got left wing judges letting people out. And so there's no fear of committing these violent crimes, whether it be against individuals or whatever the case might be. None. And then the police officers, you know, they, they, how much can they do when they're understaffed by hundreds of officers in every major department in America? When I say major, meaning large city. How, how on earth are they supposed to do their jobs? And then, if they do try to do their jobs, they put their lives on the line, and they have to effect an arrest that might involve physical force, knowing it could kill them. Or they could be accused of excessive force if they still go forward and do it, and then do the job and arrest the perpetrator and take them to the, to the jail. And then they get arraigned, and then they get set free on a no-cash bail on catch and release. And then they get their felony dropped down to a misdemeanor with no jail time. What the hell did the cop do that job for? So what do we do? What we do is what we used to do. Let cops be cops. Lock up offenders. Stop saying, oh, they just didn't have enough opportunities in their life. We don't want to lock them up for that. Let's not demonize them. The hell with that. Take bad people and get them away from good people. That's how we deal with this. Thank you for the call. We'll be back. The answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks so much for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. So we're going to kind of stay on topic, but off topic. How's that possible? Well, we're talking about saving lives. And that, of course, is what the entire uh, discussion has been about with respect to gun control. It's about saving lives. It's not about demonizing the weapon themselves. Now we're going to talk about saving unborn lives, or pre-born lives, as we like to call them. There was... um, Apparently, another attack on another pregnancy center that didn't provide abortions. Now, we saw uh, quite a few of these last summer after the uh, Roe versus Wade uh, decision was announced. The Roe was uh, was being essentially repealed. Um, all kinds of attacks by groups uh, such as Jane's Revenge, sometimes firebombing with Molotov cocktails, pregnancy centers, and so forth, saying basically if... Uh, uh, if uh, abortion isn't safe, then you're not safe either, meaning keep abortion legal for them. Well, I guess they're back at it. There was a pregnancy center in Bowling Green uh, called Her Choice, uh, herchoicemedical.org, and it was vandalized. 
over the weekend by pro-abortionists, including the group Jane's Revenge. I'm looking at a picture right now, calling it fake clinic, spray-painted on the side of their building. Fund abortion, abort God. Another one of the massive spray-painted messages are liars on the windows and so forth. So they're coming after pregnancy centers, and the reason why is because they're the justice system is not holding those who came after the pregnancy centers and the Catholic Church's prior uh, to account for it. And so this kind of thing is going to continue, it would appear. The question is, is what can be done to stop this? And uh, will it deter the message of people who are trying to, uh, again, save lives, save pre-born babies' lives? Joining us now is the executive director. I called her the executive director, and then I called her a vice president in two different statements when I promoted this this morning. I was right the first time, not the second. She is the executive director of Cleveland Right to Life, Kate Macra, joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer, to tell us what's going on here. Kate, good morning. It's good to have you how are you today i'm doing great bob how are you doing doing okay thank you so um before we talk specifically about the bowling green pregnancy center isn't it disturbing to you that so many churches which of course are 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 supportive of of pro-life measures and pregnancy centers that did not provide abortion services were attacked over the course of you know several months you know really in earnest after the Dobbs decision last year but but even since then and and there's literally been no accountability whatsoever for those uh, for those groups or for the individuals well of course it is disturbing but not surprising um it, as we know there's a two-tiered justice system in our country right now. And we see it on the federal level and we also see it on the state level. And unfortunately, our law enforcement officials don't seem to uh, understand that it's a priority to protect folks who are merely getting out there and trying to save lives. We're trying to help people. And uh, they instead would rather go after politicians for uh, minor (laughs) election violations if you know, you can call it that. Uh, they would also rather go after Catholic people for praying outside of abortion clinics. So that should kind of show you where their priorities are. But no, it's not a surprise. Yeah, it is. Um, it's not a surprise, but it is bothersome because, again, I think it encourages others to commit similar type of, of you know, crimes um, when when they're not being when they're not being. Uh, prosecuted or pursued and, and and i'm trying to recall who it was and i'm not able to at the moment kate but i was struck by a statement made by somebody in law enforcement it might have been in the doj it might have been the attorney general himself but who said that you know um the reason we were able to arrest the uh, father who uh you know defended his son from from somebody who was attacking him uh, outside of an abortion clinic where they were praying i think it was in philadelphia the reason we could arrest him and the reason we haven't been able to arrest these people who are attacking these buildings is because of daylight you were, did you yes. hear this one? daylight yes. The, the, yes. all of these that was Merrick garland our was it garland Okay, yeah, I, I was. wasn't sure if it was the AG or if it was one of his uh, deputies or, or lieutenants or whatever. So there was the AG who literally said, you know, it's dark out at night, and so we can't figure out who these people are. It, I, it was one of the most astounding things, one of the most incredible expressions of incompetence and and a lack of concern for the actual victims of this thing that I'd ever heard before. It's dark out, so we can't get them. You basically just said, as long as you don't do it during broad daylight, you're going to get away with it. Yes, well, apparently the... Uh DOJ and the FBI, they left all of their uh, night vision equipment in Afghanistan for the Taliban to use. Because, you know, apparently they don't have any night vision. They don't have flashlights. 
uh, yeah, I heard that too. He was testifying before Congress, and I could not even believe it when I heard it. But they they say these kinds of things, and again, as you said, there's no follow up, there's no pushback, and so they're they're free to just uh, make these blatant, asinine comments, and nobody holds them accountable. And uh, these things keep happening, as we just saw over the weekend in Bowling Green, and it's just it's disgusting that. Somebody, even if, you know, regardless of what your position is on the issue of abortion, shouldn't people agree that these pregnancy centers do help people? And I can tell you that for a fact because I used to be the executive director of a similar crisis pregnancy center. And most of the folks who work there are volunteers. And, mm-hmm. yes, they are usually affiliated with a, a Christian organization or a faith-based organization, but that's because they step in where perhaps the the government um, is not doing its job. So they just want to step in and help. They want to help moms. They want to help families. And Mm -hmm. what reasonable person could object to that? You know, that just boggles my mind that that somebody would have a problem with it. But when you're dealing with an an Antifa group like Jane's Revenge, that's, that's what you get, unfortunately. Kate Macra is the executive director of Cleveland Right to Life. So the Her Choice Pregnancy Centers you're talking about right now, and I'm looking at your press release, they provide free pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, STI testing, parenting classes, infant and toddler supplies that moms need to take care of their babies, and that's all very well and good. <clears throat> And that's what is being attacked, um, and 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 that of course is uh, you know in, incomprehensible to me how anybody could be opposed to those things. Even if you are pro-abortion, right. why are you anti-helping women who choose to have their babies have their babies you know in a healthy way? Uh, so it, as horrible as the you know the violence is and the vandalism and the firebombing and so on and so forth, there is something good that you reported in this release. Tell us what happened with the uh, local college students afterwards. Yes, and. It was an absolutely wonderful demonstration of the folks in the community coming out to, to pitch in and help. First of all, we had uh, local Knights of Columbus folks jumping in. Uh, they got college students who came and just volunteered. It was a Saturday morning. They they came in and were scrubbing the the horrible phrases off the side of the building. And it was, as you said, as bad as it was, it was so nice to see that this organization really does bring out the best in in their people in that community. So it's nice to know that there are people in the community who are willing to just step up and wipe away the the nastiness. It at least it it takes some of the sting out of of the initial action, but it was it was very nice to see that. And I think that there are a lot more folks on our side who agree that pregnancy centers do wonderful work. And they need to be supported. So I would urge all of your listeners to, if you know of a pregnancy center in your neighborhood, please support them in, in whatever way you can, because we they do need your help. How stunning is it too, Kate, um, you know, that one of the messages you described as disgusting or, or whatever we can call it, repugnant, it had nothing to do with specifically abortion. It was just a straight up attack on God. It said literally abort God. What do, you, what, do you, what do you take away from that about the people we're dealing with? Well, <laughs> they're obviously, they have no fear of God, first of all, they, cause, because they don't believe in God. Their, their sacrament is abortion. And any organization that pushes back on that and says, hey, there's another option here, ladies, you do not have to kill this, 
child that is growing within you. You can still have your life and you can still do all the things you want to do with that life. And you can have that baby and still go on to go to college and do all these things. And that idea, I think, is so threatening to the other side because, as I said, I believe that abortion is their sacrament. They are they're so bloodthirsty and nothing makes them happier than to to see all these women walking into Planned Parenthood. And if if there is a woman who by chance has the audacity to consider other options, then anybody who's supporting that that those other options then become the enemy. And it does go straight to to God. Even though there are plenty of people who are not really affiliated with a, a faith or anything like that that do support pregnancy help centers and they are pro-life i think that a lot of people automatically think it's a religious issue but i would argue that it is not if you have uh, a good moral compass and you know wrong from right regardless of your religious affiliation you should be able to say abortion is wrong because it kills a human being mm-hmm. and these these pro abortion bloodthirsty animals all they can think of is how many babies can we kill and i saw that firsthand last year when i was we were doing a press conference after roe was overturned Mm -hmm. and there were actually people screaming at the top of their lungs that they can't wait to kill their baby and that they love abortion and these were young 20-something women i i was my mouth dropped open. I couldn't believe it. You know, it's one thing to be pro-choice, but it's another thing to say, I can't wait to kill my baby. And that's just the kind of moral depravity that we're dealing with. It's, it's really, it is sickening. That's why people of good faith have to come together to push back against this stuff, because mm-hmm. we're never going to win if we just sit in our chairs and stay silent. You know, that that type of language is particularly gruesome because they're they're saying baby. Usually these folks won't yes. acknowledge the, the humanity of their child within them. They won't call it a baby. They'll say fetus or, or whatever they want to do to try to minimize the reality of what they do uh, when they take that human life. So that's that's really barbaric when they're saying, I can't wait to kill my baby, and they actually acknowledge it. Um, so speaking of depravity, uh, there's going to be, of course, the ballot initiative on the uh, uh, on the ballot if they get all the signatures they need, which it's very likely that they will in November. And Protect Women Ohio is an offshoot of, well, maybe that's not the right phrasing. Uh, I was going to say it's an offshoot of, uh, of uh, Cleveland Right to Life or Ohio Right to Life. But uh, tell me about Protect Women Ohio and tell me about some of the steps that are being taken now. We've got obviously about six and a half months uh, to stop this thing from being embedded, abortion on demand, all the way through the ninth month into the Ohio Constitution. And Protect Women Ohio, I know, is working very, very hard at that. Can you tell us something about it? I would be happy to. Uh, Protect Women Ohio is actually a coalition of dozens upon dozens of pro-life organizations in the state of Ohio. And way back late last year, we we knew that this was coming down the pike. Of course, we, we knew that the pro-aborts were going to be putting wanting to put something on the, on the ballot for either 2023 or 2024. So we got together and said, hey, how do we fight back against this? We saw what happened in Michigan. And in Michigan, they passed a very, very pro-abortion, pro-death, amendment to their constitution last November. And we looked at what happened in Michigan and we said, we do not want that to happen here in Ohio. So we decided that we were going to put uh, any slight differences that we had aside and we were going to all come together. So this organization is made up of Cleveland Right to Life, 
uh, Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio, Ohio Right to Life, and many, many other organizations in the state. And I would ask your listeners to go to protectwomenohio.com to find out more. We recently dropped two more TV ads. And the first, we that so now we have a total of three ads that are going to be running. And they focus on, on the fact that not only does this an amendment, if it were to be passed, would, as you said, give free reign to abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, but it also strips away a parent's right to have a say in the health care decisions of their children. So if we have an underage girl who gets pregnant, let's say by a coach or a teacher or something like that, that coach or teacher can walk her into an abortion clinic, she can have that abortion, and the parents have absolutely no way to to either know about it or to consent or anything. So even people who are moderately concerned about the abortion issue, they really, really need to take a look at this language because they need to be concerned as a parent. Do you really want to be cut out of your children's health care decisions? And it's not limited to abortion. It also goes to, I mean, it's not, again, it, they use language that says, it's not limited to, so they list some issues like mm-hmm. abortion, miscarriage, and things like that. Right. But it also opens the door for sex change surgery, hormone replacement therapy. Well, you, you read uh, my mind. You read my mind, uh, um, uh, Kate, when you you mentioned the two new ads because I wanted to play one of them anyway. Uh, so I'm going to play Linda right now, and you can follow up on that. Uh, it's it's a minute spot, so let's listen to this. They're going okay, after my kids. And I get really passionate about it because I can't support something where I lose my parental rights. The language in this amendment takes away our rights as parents to be involved with the decisions that our children make. If they wanted it to be about just abortions, they would have made it just about abortions. They added in these really loose language terms such as reproductive decisions. So it could be my 11-year-old daughter going out making decisions without my involvement. She can say, I'm going to go get a sex change, and I can't say or do anything about it because we have this amendment now that eliminates my right as a parent. They could have made a distinction between adults and minors, but they didn't. So what do they mean when they say the state shall not burden or the state shall not interfere with it? It means that I lose that right to protect my child. This amendment is so much more than pro-life versus pro-choice. It's going directly after our children. I cannot support this amendment. It's a powerful, uh, powerful advertisement among uh, uh, three now, as you pointed out. Uh, Kate, take the last 60 seconds we have and follow up on that. Well, I would, uh, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to be on here, Bob, and to talk about this, because I think that you know we are immersed in this every day, but uh, folks are out there living their lives, trying to feed their families and take care of their, their kids, and you need to please, please well become well-versed in this uh, topic, because it is going to be all over the place, and there, as you said, the people are already out there gathering signatures. Please do not sign anything, and ask your friends and neighbors not to sign anything. Uh, they will use deceptive language and actually lie to you and get you to sign and say, well, things like, well, do you believe that women should have health care? Well, yeah, I do. Okay, here, sign here. Mm-hmm. And I already know of some people who have signed and they've regretted it because they didn't understand what they were signing. So please do not sign anything. Uh, second thing is go to protectwomenohio.com. 
Uh, we need everybody on board. We do not want to become Michigan. We need to keep abortion out of our Constitution. But we're going to need every single person standing up and fighting back. So we, we're going to need canvassers, door knockers, that kinds of thing. So please go to protectwomenohio.com to find out how you can um, donate or also volunteer to help the cause. And I, I don't want to wake up uh, the day after election and find out that we have abortion in our constitution because we will never, ever get it out. No. So that's, that's my, those are my parting words. And I don't mean to end on a down note, but it, no, it is a down to, note. And you know, people need to know the truth. They need to know the danger. They need to know the, the severity of the situation. And quite frankly, the urgency as well, because we are just, you know, roughly six months away from having this fight if they get, get enough signatures. So stop it from getting the signatures. That would be a great, great solution to this whole thing Then we don't even have to worry about it. But uh, I'm glad to know that you are out there. Cleveland Right to Life is out there. All of the other organizations that are part of Protect Ohio Women are out there. I thank you for that, Caden. We'll stay in constant contact and update people on where this fight takes us, okay? Thank you so much, Bob. I appreciate it. God bless thank, you. Thank you. Kate, Kate Macker is the Executive Director of Cleveland Right to Life. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always Right Radio with Bob Franz and The Answer. Okay, it's 1035. Thanks for being with us. I am 1420 The Answer. Appreciate that. So, uh, talking a lot about life and death this morning. Um, terrible shootings over the weekend in Louisville, Kentucky, and in uh, Alabama. Small town in Alabama at a 16-year-old's birthday party. That one was particularly uh, gruesome because of the numbers. Four dead, 28 injured in the shootings. Just a horrific situation. But we're talking about the best way to protect and preserve life. Uh, that is not to disarm law-abiding, defensive-minded Americans. But yet that's that continues to be the mission for so many. Then we talked with Kate Macra of uh, Cleveland Right to Life. You should definitely check uh, those interviews out if you missed them, by the way. Or that interview with Kate. The upcoming interview with Vince Everett Ellison, I beg your pardon, that'll be at 1110. But anyway, anything you do miss during the program, you can listen uh, at uh, com about an hour after the show ends. So um, we talked about the right to life <clears throat> when it comes to Preborn babies as well. So I want to follow up on this, and I want to share with you a short clip. Uh, it's a, a modern clip. It's about a three-minute clip um, that really, really underscores the number one tool that the gun control advocates, the ones who are anti-Second Amendment, the ones who would leave you at the mercy of countless numbers of criminals who aim to harm you, by taking your guns away from you. This is how you'd be left at their mercy, not that they would take your guns away, but if the government takes your guns away and your ability to defend yourself, you will be, we all will be, at the mercy of criminals who don't listen to those laws. And the number one tool that they use uh, in order to gain support for their, you know, for their position to take guns away and to repeal the Second Amendment and to severely limit our rights, the number one tool that they use is ignorance. It's it's stupidity. It's it's blind uh, and deaf and dumb people who simply don't take the time to learn the truth. So what I want to play for you right now is a little video that tells the story. It's a conservative filmmaker, this person. <clears throat> it's about three minutes long, like I said, who hired a bunch of liberals 
to do what they thought was going to be an anti-gun commercial. And so she was having them read gun statistics and gun death statistics, crime statistics, for what they thought was going to be an anti-gun or a pro-gun control um, uh, uh, spot or promotion, right? And so she hired these people, these liberals to come in, not hired, but they asked them to to come in and volunteer to read these statistics. And they all sat down happily ready to do the anti-gun spot. And then she had them reading the truth, the real statistics, to see what their reactions would be. So I want you to listen. We're going to have you reading from the teleprompter. Um, these are real facts. These are all true, well-researched facts about gun control. Okay. So, and you're going to be reading facts about gun control. Okay. So is it, is it going to come up in front of that lens? Is yeah. like, We'll be seeing it? Okay. Yeah. So like, here's how it'll look. Did you know... According to the CDC, there were roughly 38,000 gun deaths in 2016. Two-thirds of them were suicides. There are over 300 million guns in the United States. There are over five times more murders by knives than by rifles. The U.S. has the highest gun ownership rate in the world, but ranks 28th in gun murders. That's a rate of 2.97 deaths per 100,000 people. Handguns are responsible for more than 80% of total mass shootings. Handguns. Between 1993 and 2003, gun ownership increased by 56%, while gun violence decreased by nearly half. Since 1950, nearly all mass public shootings have occurred in gun-free zones. That's crazy. From 2013 to 2015, the six states that banned open carry actually experienced higher rates of police death. 86.4% of 20,000 police chiefs and sheriffs support concealed carry and are overwhelmingly against further gun control. Those that have concealed carry permits, on average, commit less crime than police. Hmm, imagine that. Yeah, what does that mean? There is a clear correlation between higher firearm ownership and reducing police killings. Switzerland, a nation of about 8 million, is armed with an estimated 2 million guns in circulation with limited gun legislation. Switzerland's overall gun homicide rate is practically zero. Gun ownership does not correlate with the homicide rate. Interesting. Um, I haven't, uh, I, I just kind of blindly chose a side on the whole issue without really thinking about facts. I mean, I'm going to be honest, for me, I don't really like go to the main news sources because a lot of it's always like pushed by an agenda. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, to get like the real facts, you always have to do more research. I mean, it definitely makes me want to do more research about um, like everything that's happening right now with gun violence. It's interesting to actually take the time and see what the facts say as opposed to what I personally Field. Uh, I didn't know a lot of that. Uh, pretty much, yeah, pretty much all of it. Gun control does not really mean crime control. They're really worried about controlling guns, and but it's not really up to the like the guns, it's guns itself that's gonna cause harm to people. It's really about the bad people. I mean, it comes boils down to people. I feel like, um, but yeah, I mean, facts are facts, so. Yeah. <laughs> 
I watched that for the first time. Somebody emailed that to me over the weekend, and uh, it was just coincidental that it was over the weekend, and we had these two shootings over the weekend, one in Louisville and one in Alabama, that restarted and never really stopped since Nashville. And since the students... being organized by state legislators and others, you know, trashed the Capitol and stormed the Capitol and so forth in Tennessee. But ever since Nashville and since the first Louisville and then the second Louisville and then the Alabama, you know, they really haven't stopped. But the the point that I'm making is exactly what I said. The number one tool that the left uses to further the gun control agenda is ignorance. You heard it expressed by those people, and you can't see it. <clears throat> you can only hear it because this is radio, but I'll just tell you, there was a pretty diverse crowd there of individuals that they had speaking. There were young white females. There was an older, gray-haired white male. There was a uh, an Asian man. There was a, I shouldn't make the judgment, but an effeminate uh, 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 20-something, probably a, a Gen Zer. I mean, they were young, they were older, they were black, they were white, they were Asian, they were Hispanic, they were all over. They were a very cr- good cross-section of people there. And they all came in thinking the same thing, that guns were the problem, and we're going to prove it by quoting the stats. And then when they got the stats, they stopped and said, wow, um, I really didn't do any research. I just kind of trust what the media tells me. One of them said, quote, I just blindly chose a side. I just blindly chose a side. And the one at the end who said, you know, it's not about the guns. The guns aren't hurting people. It's about the people. It's about, isn't that what you hear from this particular radio show on a regular basis when we talk about this? When I say there's no such thing as gun violence? There's no such thing as gun violence. People like to say there are a rate of gun violence. There is no such thing because guns don't commit violence. Guns don't have a will. Guns don't have a motive. Guns don't have an agenda. Guns are inanimate objects. There are There is violence, and violence is committed by people, not by weapons. It's about the people. In the last two individuals, again, these are all liberals. How they screened for the liberals they got, I don't know. But they, like I said, there was a nice, diverse crowd of them. They probably had them fill out questionnaires about their um, about their political leanings. But they got all these liberals on there ready to contribute to what they thought was a video that was going to expose guns for being the evils that they are. And then they stopped at the end and said, yeah, you know, it's not the guns. It's the people. It is the people. And that's the reality. Now, one of the responses to that video that I just gave you the audio of is we need to we need better health care for people in this country. In other words, we need to stop um, people who have psychological issues or maybe substance abuse issues from getting their hands on guns. Well, first of all, there are already laws against that. It's called having weapons under disability. If you are drunk or if you are high or if you've ever been convicted of a felony, you're not allowed to have a gun anyway. So the, the laws are already, that's, the, that's a part of the story that nobody really focuses on. And that is that when you ask a gun control leftist what law would prevent one of these mass shootings, they have no answer whatsoever. They have no answer. None. They just say we've got to strengthen the gun laws. Well, we already have laws on the books that should have present, prevented this, uh, and, and, and particularly when it comes to somebody who is get, getting their guns illegally or using it under disability, as noted. But yet criminals continue to break laws. Do you not understand that? They break laws. 
So for people who are saying, well, we need better health care, what they're referring to is, okay, we need to get to this psychologically impaired people and stop them from getting weapons, i.e., red flag laws. So there's an op-ed that I read in uh, a paper that I won't mention um, on Saturday. It was a reprint of a Bloomberg piece headlined, Red Flag Laws Offer Hope Against Mass Shootings. Now, I want to stop there and, again, just underscore the fact that they're focusing only on mass shootings, not on a bunch of individual shootings that add up to more deaths than they could ever even imagine in a mass shooting like Chicago, as I said in hour number one. In one week's time, one week, April 9th to April 15th, that's seven days, April 9th to April 15th, 80 people were shot in Chicago, 61 of them wounded, 19 of them killed. That's more than a mass shooting or two or three mass shootings put together, but nobody talks about it. What they do talk about is mass shootings and the need for red flag laws. So I want to quote a couple of lines from this, and I want to offer some perspective and maybe get your thoughts on it, too. Monday's mass shooting at the Old National Bank in downtown Louisville is the latest reminder of America's worsening epidemic of, there it is again, the non-existent gun violence. It should be more than enough to spur elected officials to pass common-sense measures to keep guns away from unstable individuals. The Louisville shooting left five people dead and at least eight wounded, including two police officers. During his mental health issues, the shooter was able to legally purchase an AR-15-style rifle uh, this or the week before. The massacre came just two weeks after the nine, uh, three nine-year-old students and three staffers at a school in Nashville were killed by a disturbed individual who had managed to stockpile seven guns despite having been diagnosed with an emotional disorder. Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear, who lost a close friend in the Louisville shooting, gave an emotional speech this week on the need to prevent further tragedies. As a Democrat who supports tougher gun laws but faces a veto-proof Republican legislature, his frustration is understandable. Other officials have less excuse for inaction. The fact is, research shows that the majority of mass shooters exhibit warning signs before committing murder. Laws that aim to prevent these people from accessing firearms are a critical tool in reducing the likelihood of mass shootings. Known as red flag laws, such measures allow police or family members to ask a court to temporarily confiscate weapons belonging to unstable individuals. They're one of the few gun safety policies that command a degree of bipartisan support, and they seem likely to work. I'm going to stop there to point out what... It should be obvious to everybody. Seemingly unstable are two very, very loaded words. Seemingly according to what standard? Seemingly unstable according to whom? And then there's unstable. What does unstable mean? Somebody who's depressed because they lost their bet on a Browns game? Somebody who just got fired, lost their job? Somebody whose dog just passed away? These people are all all in various states of emotional distress in some way, shape, or form, right? What the left proposes to do is to strip them of their constitutional rights to own their firearms if they're in a state of emotional distress. Because that might make them dangerous to themselves or others. So somebody who has lost their job, maybe their girlfriend, Maybe uh, maybe they, uh, they, they uh, came one number away from winning the lottery and lost. 
Whatever it is that made them angry, mad, sad, frustrated, oh my gosh. The left says if somebody reports their emotional distress for whatever it might have been to the authorities, the authorities can then, or in some cases must, go to their home, knock on their doors, and demand to to know where their firearms are. Then confiscate them and take them to be locked up. Pending a hearing, pending a literal court proceeding in which the individual who was in some emotional distress, distress according to somebody, and it doesn't use, it doesn't even have to be in most states' cases. It doesn't have to be somebody that knows them particularly well. If the call is made and the accusation is made and the information is presented, this happens. And then the individual has to go to this court hearing and do what is almost impossible to do. Prove a negative. Prove that I'm not a threat to other people. Prove that my sadness, my depression over my divorce, my, 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 my being distraught at the death of my dog, my, 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 my uh, relationships with my children that are strained because they went to college and got indoctrinated as leftists, and now I can't even talk to them, and it breaks me up. Whatever it is, I have to go in front of a judge and, 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 and prove that I'm not going to hurt myself or somebody else. And I can't get my guns back until I do. And usually those kinds of arguments cannot be made by the individual. They need to hire an attorney. Then they got to spend money. they got to spend money. they got to take time off work to go to court. All to restore their constitutional rights that were stripped away by somebody who said this person's in a state of emotional distress. And now the worst part. You don't even have to actually be in a state of emotional distress. As long as somebody says you are. Maybe you haven't lost your job. Maybe your dog didn't die. Maybe your relationship with your kids is great. Maybe none of those things that I just described that might send somebody into a tailspin of sorts, maybe none of them happen. But they just happen to be a Trump supporter. Or they happen to be an NRA member. Or they happen to be something else that leftists don't like and that makes them dangerous. They might be a neo-Nazi. I can't tell for sure, but they might be a neo-Nazi. You know, I saw them wear a red MAGA hat one day. Oh, my gosh, I was terrified. And you know what they have? They have a Gadsden flag flying under the American flag in their yard. You know what that means? I'm terrified this person might be a, be a threat to me and my family. Okay. Sir, we need your firearms. There is concern for your stability and that you won't harm other people. You need to come to court, and you need to prove that you're not a threat to other people. That's what these, gun, these uh, red flag laws do. Or it's at least what they're capable of. And this is what the left wants to push. I'm telling you right now, red flag laws are not the answer. Stripping constitutional rights from law-abiding American citizens, not the answer. Disarming a population of would-be soft targets, then, is not the answer. How about we bring back what we used to rely upon? A law enforcement machine that does its job and separates good people from bad people by taking the bad people and putting them in cages. 
I don't know about you, but I tend to I tend to lean toward things that have proven to have worked. And when we started emptying jails because of equity, and we started uh, softening uh, uh, charges against bad people who do terrible things, when we started letting them out of jail without any cash bail, when we started uh, 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 softening their their sentences from months or excuse me, from years to months or months to weeks or weeks to days or days to uh, suspended sentences, no jail time at all. When we started doing that, we emboldened more people to do more crazy things with firearms and without. How about maybe, rather than trying to find ways to punish innocent people who have broken the laws, how about we punish the freaking population that does break the laws? What a crazy idea that is, right? Okay, it's 10.57. Coming up uh, in just a few, after the top of the hour, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I haven't talked to Vince Everett Ellison in a bit. It's been just a minute or two. Vince Everett Ellison was born on a cotton plantation in Haywood County, Tennessee. His parents were sharecroppers. He is a phenomenal success story. He rose up, being raised right by his mother and father, not uh, raised to, to feel sorry for himself. He uh, began, his family started the Ellison Family Gospel Singing Group. Vince sang and played instruments there. He worked for five years as a correctional officer at a a correctional facility in Columbia, South Carolina. Worked in the nonprofit arena. In 2000, he received the Republican Party nomination for South Carolina's 6th Congressional District. In 2019, when I started talking to Vince for the first time, he wrote the Iron Triangle inside the liberal Democrat plan to use race to divide Christians and America in their quest for power and how we can defeat them. Became an Amazon number one bestseller. He is, um, he is a member of Project 21. He's written a lot of articles for American Greatness magazine, and he's now got a documentary out called Will You Go to Hell for Me? And it is literally about the hellscape that the left is creating in the United States, that the Democrat Party is literally pushing us toward. So Vince Everett Ellison is going to join me. We're going to talk about uh, what that documentary, what's inspired it, and where he goes from here. But it's uh, there's a webpage that I can steer you to. And let me see if I can pull it up here before the break. I might be able to, uh, and I might not be able to. Uh, yeah, no, I was right. There it is. It is just exactly what I thought it would be. Will you go to hellforme.com? Will you go to hellforme.com? You can go to that, take a look at it. You'll see a trailer there for the documentary, and then stick around because I've got a great conversation with Vince Everett Ellison coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I 
have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay, there is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. It is indeed, and onward we roll. It's 10 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. Thank you so much for being with us on this Monday, the 17th morning of the fourth month in the year of our Lord, 2023. The Democratic Party is the evilest organization in the history of the world. Since their inception in 1800, they've been the party of slavery. Then, after slavery, they became the party of the Confederacy. After that, they started killing black people during Jim Crow era. You're voting for a party that tells you they are going to abort children up to the ninth month, castrate little boys, and call them little girls mutilate little girls and cut off their breasts and give them puberty blockers. And you don't think you're going to be held responsible? As we look at the Democratic Party and the chaos that they bring on our community, our young men, our young women, I have to ask you to look at what they've done to us. Look at what they've done to us. Look at what they've done to us. That is just a part of the trailer, a powerful trailer for what is a powerful documentary from Vince Everett Ellison, who joins us now, noted author and speaker, and uh, and now filmmaker. What an amazing documentary, and the title is going to grab you right out of the gate. Will you go to hell for me? Vince Everett Ellison, welcome back to AM 1420, The Answer, here in Cleveland, Ohio. It's been a minute since I've spoken with you, good sir. It's good to have you back. How are you? Oh, it is my pleasure to be with you, Bob. Thanks for having me. Will you go to hell for me? You know, people say don't judge a book by its cover. You shouldn't judge a documentary by its title. But I will tell you, I love the title. Can you tell us what it means? Yeah, Bob. I um, uh, it started with a a trip after Donald Trump was elected. My daughter and I were traveling together, and we stopped by McDonald's to get something to eat. And this person, um. This woman came up to my daughter. They were doing this woman's march, uh, and they had a caravan going there. And they asked my if she, and they said they wanted to get that thing out of the White House. And they were, you know, pro-abortion and feminist. And my daughter, and they thought because she was black, she was a Democrat. And she turned to them and said, ma'am, uh, I am not a liberal. I'm a Christian. I vote my values. I voted for Trump. I can't go with you. And I said to myself, why? Why? Why can't most people just say, I'm a Christian and I vote my values? In Romans 14, and we're going to stand before God and be held accountable for our lives. We're going to be held accountable for everything that we do and say. And as I, as you heard me say earlier on the trailer, we're voting for a party that's castrates little boys and call them little girls. Give dumb mastectomies little girls and call them little boys. That trap children into failing schools that have nine-month abortion. And if you want to know what evil is, I'll make it easy for you. Anybody that will harm a child is evil. Anyone. Jesus Christ said, if anybody harms one of these little ones, it's better than a millstone be tied around your neck. Democrats can swear. Vince, um, you know, what you're saying is, 
is spot on and and, and very easy to uh, to digest if you are a believer in 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 Jesus, if you are a believer in faith, or if you're a believer in God, if you're a believer in heaven and hell. All of those things are very easy to digest. But how do you and how do we respond to the other side of this that says, wait a minute, you're saying that. Uh, we're harming children. We're the ones trying to help children. We're, we're the ones trying to help them become what they really are. That the mistake that was made by putting them in this body and having this mind, we're the ones who are affirming them and trying to help them. You're the one that is hurting them by not allowing them to become what they really are. How do you respond to those people then? We call them what they are, insane. They're crazy. Uh, to even try to argue with these maniacs, bring us down to their level. A man setting up in a dress calling himself a woman. A woman sitting there in pants calling herself a man. A person telling you that you can kill a child and abort children up to the birthday and saying, but it's not murder because the child doesn't have any value. Um, justifying, again, um, uh, disarming uh, American citizens in a war zone where the Supreme Court has already ruled that the police do not have any obligations to protect you. Uh, 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 allowing fentanyl to come across the border to kill over 100,000 citizens a day. If they gave you and me the federal government, we would secure the border tomorrow. We would make sure that we stop crime in the inner cities tomorrow. We would we would make sure the public education system was fixed tomorrow. They know how to do it. They don't want to do it. And what we have started telling Americans and Christians is that you're choosing this. C.S. Lewis said, hell is a choice. And people say, how is hell a choice? Well, whenever you see a person that's, 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 that's morbidly obese and will not exercise and go to the gym, they're choosing hell. A person that's on drugs won't go to rehab. Choosing hell. An alcoholic that's drinking too much and will not uh, take care of his wife and family or, or pray or go to the altar and get that spirit out of him. He's choosing hell. Hell is a choice. And the American people choose it every day by voting for the Democrat Party. And so I cover this in the movie. I talk about how the civil rights movement, and this is an untouchable thing. Nobody wants to touch this. Nobody, because it's too toxic. Nobody wants to talk about what Martin Luther King, what Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights movement did in the 60s that turned the black vote to the Democrat Party and allowed these Marxists to take it over and make it into this, this terrible communist socialist party right now. It was Martin Luther King Jr., that was involved in the mad outlaws that got the black father out of the house. He was excommunicated from the black church in, in, in 1961 because he had gone against the church tenant, and he started his own church. Yeah, Martin Luther King Jr.'s church is the church that Raphael Walnut belongs to. It's called the Progressive National Baptist Convention. The first recipient of the Margaret Sanger Award was Martin Luther King Jr., because he helped us up abortion clinics in the black And it tells Christians that you've been had, you've been hoodwinked, you've been lied to by these liberals on the left. And that if you don't catch yourself voting for this party that's doing all of this terrible stuff to America and to the world, you're going to wake up in hell. End the story. We're talking to Vince Everett Ellison. <clears throat> He's a noted author and speaker and uh, and obviously now a filmmaker. This documentary is called Will You Go to Hell For Me? It's available right now on the website, willyougotohellforme.com. You can order it by way of DVD. You can rent it on Rumble. You can rent it or buy it on Vimeo. All of those links are there on the webpage. I'm looking at it right now. 
Vince, going back to your story uh, where you stopped off at a McDonald's with your daughter and uh, and encountered that uh, that pro uh, pro abortionist. Um, your daughter said, "I'm Christian and I vote my values," and that's your message here. Don't be afraid to vote your values. Isn't that the problem, though, that we're having in winning elections? Because, quite frankly, there are far too many people on the other side that don't have values. They don't have any values at all, or the values they have are the direct opposite of ours. How do we counter them? Well, we, we think this is a political problem, and we think that by voting for Republicans, that they will solve this problem for us. And this is where we've gone wrong. No, this is a spiritual problem. We have conceded too much ground to the left and to these Democrats. You know, they uh, uh, told us to take prayer out of schools. We did it. They left our children there. They told us to stop praying and bringing Bibles to our workplaces. We did it. And now uh, they told us to take the crosses and the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses. We did it. And now everywhere you look, these 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 evil people on the left have commandeered one of our religious symbols, which is a rainbow, and made it there. And now prayers out of schools with a rainbow flag is there. Uh, uh, our Bibles and our crosses are out of our workplaces, but the rainbow flag is there. Uh, our our Ten Commandments and, and our crosses are out of our courthouses, but the rainbow flag is there. We conceded the ground. And what we have to stop, start doing is we have to start proselytizing in America like they proselytize in America. They don't mind putting a man in a dress. They don't mind putting a woman in pants. They don't mind marching. They don't mind doing whatever they got to do to press their idea forward. They bung up, they bungle money, they go and they, 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 they make sure that they are going to be heard. We have to stop conceding the ground to these people. Listen, the Democrat Party, right, is led by a cabal, perverts, liars, psychos, and that's our Christian bigots. They have commandeered the federal government to do battle against the Christians. We have to understand we are in a fight. Because they know it. I want your, your listeners to go to willyougotohelperme.com. Tucker Carlson said it's the best video, and the best, uh, it, it, it's the best trailer he's ever seen. He says the best documentary he's ever seen. Sean Hannity said the same. This thing will change your life. It has information that everybody else is afraid to give you. Read the reviews. The reviews of people that have seen it. They say best documentary they've ever seen. Best movie they've ever seen. It is nothing like it has ever been made. Will you go to hellforme.com? And as I said, you know, Ron Reagan said before that the Soviet Union was the focus of evil in the modern world. No, not them any longer. It is the Democrat Party, an evil institution here in America that Christians are supporting. And if we do not stop it according to the laws of God and according to what we believe in Christianity, we're going to be held accountable, and we'll wake up in hell. Vince Everett Ellison is my guest. Vince, how did how did we get where we are now? Um, I think it's a lot of people. I, I've talked about this on my program. <clears throat> I don't want to pin it all on Barack Obama because I think the wheels were set in motion before he took over in 2008. But then again, he did come in uh, announcing that we are going to fundamentally transform this country which, of course, is a very, very evil-sounding plan because you don't fundamentally transform the greatest thing that God has ever given to humanity, this great civilization of ours. 
Um, but he was going to change it. Fundamentally transform means to change it from the foundational level. Did it all start there, or, as I said, were some things in motion? And how did we progress so quickly to where you just pointed out flags and crucifixes are replaced by rainbow flags and, and tributes to what you're calling you know, hellish and demonic type of, uh, of, of institutions? Well, the test was in 1962 when they took prayer out of the public school system. We should have then said, it's just like taking oxygen out of it. We said, well, it's, it's incompatible with teaching Christian children. And we didn't. We allowed our children, you know, to stay. And we allowed unbelievers to educate our children. Randy Weingarten is the, one of the most sadistic people in the whole world. I mean, she's a, she's a lesbian. She's married to a woman. And she's over the education of the children, the Christian children of the United States of America. Now they have CRT. Uh, they want to teach my child that they're oppressed, teach your child that they're an oppressor. Let me tell you this, and I say this in the movie. We know, as Christians, this is what we are taught, that if you are a Christian, you cannot be oppressed. You cannot be a victim. Why? Because I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. No one is superior to me. No one is below me. I have brothers and sisters, and we all are supposed to elevate each other's gifts. And when we do that, the world is beautiful, isn't it? A good HVAC man helps everybody. A good um, uh, uh, doctor heals everybody. A good lawyer helps everyone. A good politician. We elevate each other. We don't compete and hate one another. Instead, our public educational system taught our children to have envy. Envy. Not admiration. Envy. Hatred. Jealousy. Victimization. The hatred for for America. Why? It started in 1962 when these people told us they were unbelievers. And we still left our children with them. Plato talked about it best in his book, The, 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 the Republic. He said, the, well, the well-nurtured child is one who would see most clearly whatever was amiss in the ill-made works of man or ill-grown in the ill-made works of nature and with justice taste would blame and hate the ugly even from his early and give delighted praise to beauty receiving into his soul and being nourished by it, so he becomes a man of gentle heart. We got children at an early age. Something's wrong with it. If you see a man in a dress, something's wrong with it. If you see somebody beating somebody down and kicking them and calling them out their name, something's wrong with it. Instead of sitting back hearing it, we have allowed America to become thorough, topsy-turvy nation where even the rest of the world now looks at us and they say, we want nothing to do with you. Russia, China, most of Sub-Saharan Africa, the Muslim world, look at America and think that we've gone mad. And we have. This is state-sanctioned insanity. It's madmen beginning madmen. And we have to now stop and start pushing back. Will you go to hell for me? Ask the question, do you love the Democrat Party so much that you're willing to go to hell for this sadistic, evil institution. Don't go to hell for them. They're not worth it. And people always ask me, Vince, how can I help? You can help by going to willyougotohelpforme.com, streaming this video, buying it, or renting it. All the money I get, I put right back into putting this video out there and, and, and making sure that people will know about it so they can buy it, so they can see it, so they can share it. And so we can save America and our souls from this demonic, evil Democrat Party. 
Vince Everett Ellison laying it all out. The documentary, as you heard, is called Will You Go to Hell for Me? It's a great way to put it. I mean, literally, do you love that party so much that you're willing to go to hell for them because the things they stand for for are going to drive you there? Uh, Vince, I really appreciate what you do. I enjoyed watching you on Fox. I certainly enjoy having you on here. Keep up the great work, my friend, uh, and thank you for fighting the fight with us. Thank you, my friend. And all the, all the listeners, please go to Will You Go, for me, go to Hell for me com. Look at the trailer. Rent or buy the video. It will change your life. Thank you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Uh, that's a man of deep faith. He really believes everything that he says. And I've, every time I've talked to him, every time I've read his work, I've come away feeling the exact same way. This is authentic. This is not somebody who's just a showman. This is a guy who believes everything that he's saying. And if you vote for the Democrats, if you support this hellish vision that they have for this country, well, um, don't be surprised when that's what you get. Okay, it's 11.26. We'll take a time out here. We'll take it to the bottom of the hour. We'll come back. I'll have time about, I don't know, 8, 9, 10 minutes. We'll take some phone calls at 216-901-0945 on Always Right Radio. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. It is 1135. Great conversation with Vince Everett Ellison. Great conversation a little bit earlier on with Kate. Uh, um, uh, uh, I want to say Mackie, uh, and I'm, I'm not correct. Macra. I want I wanted to say Mackie. I'm a big fan of The Shield. What can I tell you? Kate Macra from, uh, from Cleveland Right to Life. If you missed either one of those great conversations, check them out on the uh, webpage, whkradio.com, which you can find uh, about an hour after the show. Sometime around 1 o'clock, you'll be able to find that. So I didn't talk at all about this today, and I probably should have. The response, the responses continue to roll in in response or, uh, uh, after the um, uh, Anheuser-Busch debacle, the horrific decision they made to uh, put a trans influencer, uh, a femboy named Dylan Mulvaney, on their beer can. They've lost somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to $7 billion in uh, valuation. As of this moment, we'll see where that goes. Uh, there's no telling what's going to happen. They tried to come out and do a little bit of damage control. And I want to share the damage control with you to show you just how pathetically uh, short-sighted and, quite frankly, tone-deaf that they are to what the American public are telling them by not buying their beer anymore. This is how bad it is. This is the statement that they thought was going to get them out of Dutch with the American people who are so livid with this uh, ongoing promotion and shoving of this uh, trans agenda down the throats of decent people everywhere, which, of course, is so dangerous for kids. The CEO is uh, uh, an individual by the name of Whitworth. I don't know his first name. I don't really care. But he signed it, the CEO of Anheuser-Busch, and this was his statement, quote, As the CEO of a company founded in America's heartland more than 165 years ago, I am responsible for ensuring every consumer feels proud of the beer we brew, end quote. Uh, I'll stop there for a moment. Just, just to point out the obvious. If your goal is to make sure that every consumer is proud of the beer they're drinking, why are you putting a little boy dressed as a six-year-old girl, I'm sorry, why are you putting a grown man dressed as a six-year-old girl on your beer cans? Do you think Americans are proud of that? Do you think Americans are proud of watching this, this little uh, performer perform in front of his phone 
uh, camera for 365 consecutive days talking about day 30 of being a girl. You think people are proud of that? Do you think blue-collar beer drinkers are proud of that? You failed auto- automatically, right out of the rip with your explanation statement. But he continues. We're honored to be part of the fabric of this country. Anheuser-Busch employs more than 18,000 people, and our independent distributors employ an additional 47,000 valued colleagues. We have thousands of partners, millions of fans, and a proud history supporting our communities, military, first responders, sports fans, and hardworking Americans everywhere. Do you hear that? That that was, look, we used to be really, really... Uh, uh, understanding of what our what our target audience was we know what a blue collar american beer drinker looks like and we reached out to them through campaigns supporting as you heard military first responders sports fans and hard-working americans everywhere they know it they know what they've done here it continues we never intended to be a part of a discussion that divides people we are in the business of bringing people together over a beer once again Talk about tone deaf. Talk about being out of touch with the beer drinking crowd. Talk about out being again. Who drinks Bud Light? You're, are you literally trying to pull the 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 uh, uh, the uh, uh, white claw drinkers over to Bud Light by putting a femboy on on the cover or on the, on the beer can? You really think you're going to bring the truly drinkers over? My time serving this country, writes the uh, CEO taught me the importance of accountability and the values upon which America was founded. Freedom, hard work, and respect for one another. Again, now he's virtually dressing us down and saying, well, we thought you'd be more respectful of the, uh, you know, the alternative lifestyle that we featured on the beer can. As CEO of Anheuser-Busch, I'm focused on building and protecting our remarkable history and heritage. You wouldn't be able to tell from this ridiculous campaign. I care deeply about this country, this company, and our brands and our partners. I spend much of my time traveling across America, listening to and learning from our customers, distributors, and others. You don't have to travel very far to hear the American people screaming, Enough! And we're not drinking your swill anymore. Moving forward, I will continue to work tirelessly to bring great beers to consumers across our nation. Okay. Let me let me give you an example of, of what I'm talking about when I say and I've got two examples in fact. One of them is more personal because I want to say congratulations to our friend, yours and mine, and my regular commentator, my podcast buddy Jack Windsor. Jack got married to the love of his life, Whitney, on Friday night. And I was at the wedding, and we went up to the bar. I, I don't drink, but I was looking to bring a glass of wine back to my wife. And I noticed the beer cans that were up on top of the bar. This is showing what they had available. And I think they had a Miller Lite. I think they had, um, what else did I see? Did I see, uh, did I see Coors? I think I saw Coors. And I can't remember the others because I didn't pay much attention. Like I said, I wasn't looking for a beer, but I did note by its absence the, um, the, the invisibility of, of Bud Light. And of course it was made a point. Everybody asked Jack about it afterwards and he said, of course that was intentional. So that's one. First of all, uh, well done on, uh, removing Bud Light from your from your wedding reception, Jack. And number two, congratulations to you and Whitney. Can you dig it? And then second of all, this is example number two of just how uh, the American people have responded to the CEO of Bud Light for their marketing campaign and their ridiculous, I believe, unwillingness to admit their error. You know, oh, we didn't intend to divide people. They're still not saying sorry, 
We screwed up. This was our mistake. We messed up. We're going to make it right. No, still won't get the accountability. But this is an example of how sick and tired of it. Riley Green is a country star. Now, I don't know Riley Green. I had not heard a Riley Green song before, but apparently he's got a song from 2019 that's called I Wish Grandpas Didn't Die. And contained within that song is a lyric that says, And coolers never run out of cold Bud Light. Well, Riley Green did a concert at the Nissan Stadium in Nashville over the weekend, and um, apparently he's done a little editing to his songs. If you couldn't hear it, he changed the lyrics to, and coolers never run out of cold Coors Light. I can't sing. Don't do that again, Bob. Uh, but that's uh, that was that was an example. And did you hear the response from the crowd? There's thousands of people listening to this country singer uh, sing that we canceled Coors Light. We're done. It's Coors. I'm sorry, canceled Bud Light. We're done. It's Coors Light now. Travis Tritt dropped. Coors Light, or excuse me, I keep saying the wrong one, dropped Bud Light from uh, his tour. John Rich dropped the beer of, of uh, sponsors from his tour as well. Kid Rock, of course, uh, took that uh, that rifle to the stack of Bud Lights. You all saw that. There was a massive pushback, and I don't even know if these people are what you might call conservative Americans. I don't know them. I don't. I think I know a little bit more about uh, Kid Rock and his you know conservatism, but I don't know much about the rest of these guys. I don't know if they're conservatives who listen to this show or would listen to a Dennis Prager show or things of that nature at all. But what I do know is that conservative or not, they're sick and tired of having this agenda jammed down all of our throats. And the last straw for them was putting uh, the little femboy on the uh, on the on the cans of uh, of Bud Light, especially doing it doing it during March Madness. So if that doesn't spell it out, I don't know what will. We're telling them every step of the way. We're done. Five to seven billions, uh, billion dollars of losses so far, and we'll see where that goes from here. That's going to do it. Thanks again to my guests. I appreciate um, uh, Kate Macro who joined us from Cleveland Right to Life. I appreciate uh, Vince Everett Ellison. Uh, thanks to Johnny and Marianne and Marcy, my team. I appreciate their efforts as well. And thanks to you for listening. I want you to be well. I want you to be safe. I want you to stay free. We'll see you tomorrow morning with Kirsten Al joining us on AM 1420. The Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.